This show is brought to you by Cakes and Tins, where you can send the people you adore delightful and delicious gifts that give back. Go to cakesintins.com and use the code ACTINGREAL for 10% off. This show is also brought to you by LA Bookmaker, a deluxe stationery shop and custom bookbinder, offering handmade foil stamped cards, high quality calendars, and other ephemeral gifts. Go to la-bookmaker.com. My guest today is Amir Arison, who uh, I've known for a very long time, and he is so inspiring, you guys. What a cool thing. Um, this episode really was so fun to record, and um, we talk about, he sort of recently came up with a, a bit of a motto, uh, which is create, donate, and feel great. He's all about being of service, all about giving back. We talk about his just incredible sounding mother, his incredible sounding grandmother, um, and as you know, if you've been listening to my show for a while, I love to talk about people's mothers when their mothers are obviously just so special and incredible. Um, and Amir certainly has one of those. Uh, we also talk about The Four Agreements, which you may or may not have heard of that book. Um, it's a fantastic one, and the tools are really, really useful to keep us sane. Um, and Amir talks about how he utilizes those tools in his life. And uh, we also talk about the five Fs, which I won't spoil for you, but this is something directly from his incredible mother, um, his aforementioned incredible mother. Uh, he's doing such um, beautiful things in the world. And um, also, uh, if you don't know him, he is um, – on NBC's The Blacklist. They're going into their ninth season soon. Uh, you might also recognize him from recent appearances on Billions, Rami, and Bull, or you may remember him from Girls, Zero Hour, uh, American Horror Story, or Law & Order SVU. He's also an off-Broadway theater vet, having appeared in plays at New York Theater Workshop, The Signature, MCC, The Labyrinth, and The Public. Um, and he is also a director and producer, and per Wikipedia, an avid supporter of arts, access, and education, mental health awareness, and animal rescue, all of which you will hear about in this episode of Acting Real with Cat Foster. There is also a very magical moment that happens with his dog. I won't spoil it. Um, but as always, I, I loved recording this episode, and I hope that you enjoy listening to it as much as I do. What I need for my life, I am drawn to create the play. And you must use the play. You must use it like an Hi. ingredient for your Hi. <laughs> Hi, Amir. Oh, my goodness. So I haven't seen you in such a hot minute. When was that? Like, not, not. Could it possibly be eight years ago? Eight years. It or could or more. Or oh my eight, gosh! Eight and ten years. I know. Wait. So then, so how long have you lived in New York? Because you're doing your series there, right? Uh, we are in season eight. Holy moly! Um, I had moved to LA, as you know, for a few years to do more TV, and then we did a pilot together. 
yeah, it's the first pilot I ever done. Oh like my scene. God, Amir. And you were so good. You played this like, you were, were you Israeli in that pilot? Yeah, it was a Mossad. It was a secret called Insecurity. Even though that, yeah. that, that pilot, that title has been used for like 10 Of pilots. course. So yeah. weird, but yeah. like, and people should know that you and Constant Zimmer were the leads. Yes, we were. That ran a security company and me and um, I was one of the, yeah, one of the security guys. And Leanne Rhymes was in that pilot. Do you remember that? Not that, yeah. Betsy Bueller. Oh, oh, and Brandon Routh. Oh, yeah, Betsy Bueller. Brandon Routh was like, you know, our sort of all-American. Didn't you? Didn't your character have like? Yeah, we had it. We had a yeah, we had a a sex scene. Hannah, do you remember my? Um, yeah, you had a an intimate scene with Superman. God, I like forgot that we did. I like almost forgot that we did that pilot together to be totally Remember my, my, my character. Like we were like the sort of kicks, Kevin, Michael Richardson. Yes. Yes. We had the best. If people don't know who he is, he's like the sort of like most working voiceover actor, um, African-American, hilarious voice. And we were just going back and forth. I was the most, that was like, can I can I can I just say real quick like 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 my whole dream was to like do like a comedy series, and I came to LA and did the thing and I've been doing theater forever, and I never well, I'll never forget it's kind of like a this was like sort of a seminal experience you know going through the test and I'd only tested a little bit before and going through that thing and getting sort of like am I lead am I sort of supporting I'm kind of in between I'm not white but I'm not super ethnic in the way they want I was just like in that kind of in between sort of vague area so it was kind of like they like you for this but they want that guy you know whatever and um when it finally I'll skip the story of like getting through and everything but when it um uh happened I remember I was going to pick up my friend who was visiting from Boston at the airport right after and you know I had the audition then we had the work session and then we had the the test uh for TBS for people that know Mm -hmm. and I went in and it was down to a guy who's actually become a friend of mine Michael Ben-Yair we were down to it it was the two of us and uh when I I left. I was like, okay, it felt good. And I was, I was like, felt good. And I did, did all the work to like, not worry about it, let it go. And I remember I had like my power bar and everything and I'm driving mm-hmm. in my tiny little Scion, I'm, you know, in LA, I basically just done a few guest stars and came from theater and I was driving to the airport and I got the call mm-hmm. and it was my manager and my agent and they're like, Hey, Amir. I was like, Hey guys, I could hear their voice. And I'm just sitting there and like, so we want to tell you, you got it. Yes. Oh, it's such a and good moment. And I was, I was 31, 32, something like that. Oh, no. And uh, and I was sitting there and I had my hands on the wheel and they're like, are you there? <laughs> Too happy? And I was silently crying. Aww. Like tears were just rolling. And I was just like, uh-huh, cool. And I was like, and it just felt like the biggest sigh of relief. Mm. And I had like put the pressure on myself. To, to get to this point and do something like that. And I think I had put that pressure on myself since like high school and I didn't mm. even know it. And then I suddenly like breathed. Mm. And then it was like, almost like, uh, and then this is, this is like, I think probably one of the most important lesson I know people will hear, but the, the thing that I learned, it was like, it was like turning. It was like, I had been like driving, ironically, I was driving a car. It had been like driving a car, trying to like drive a car 
like all these years pushing career and pushing life and cultivating positive hard work and everything that you have to cultivate to kind of get yourself into a life as an artist or a life as an actor and in this sort of crazy business. And it was like, I could stop the car and turn off the keys and just sit for a second. Mm. And, um, I arrive, I'm driving and I pick up my friend from the airport and I open the door and he looks at me and I've got like tears. And he's like, Hey, are you okay? I was like, I'm good. He's like, what's going on? I was like, all my dreams just came true on my way to pick you up. He's like, that's freaking awesome. What happened? <laughs> and we went to uh, In-N-Out Burger and we talked about it. And he's like, I'm so happy for you. I was like, yeah, it was like, it was very. Now I want to jump ahead. People should know we shot the pilot. Me and you became pals. Yeah. Uh, it went great. People Although we were pals it. before. I mean, but like that, right. We were pals before. Well, we knew each, I was a fan of yours. Um, from till death people yeah, don't, I don't know, but people like, know. I knew who you were and i was into you and we i mean like we'd hung out right at that how point. did you know how did you know what from theater in new york from you yeah yeah theater theater i don't know man i guess it's fuzzy but in my you in my eye you walked by with somebody i was like at a cafe or restaurant you walked by and you were like hey or something i was like are you you're cat foster and you're like yeah you're a mirror or something i was like oh, she knows who i am i was like a i was fangirling because i loved the sitcom till death I loved silly sitcoms. And I was like, you're on Till Death. You're like, you watch that? You're like, only cops and firemen watch that show. <laughs> a lot of cops and firemen watch that show. It's so funny. That's true. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, I actually think the story is now that you're saying it, I think the story was I met you after you did, you did, you were doing a play uh, on like 43rd Street. What play were you doing? Like all the way on the West Side. Was I a cash in that play? No, I never did a play with Aya Cash, but I who love was it? Where was it? It was Signature, uh, Queens Boulevard. Uh, was Michael in that play? Chernus? No, oh, I never did a play man. with Michael, but I know it's Michael. some dope play that I'm not remember. I don't know. Maybe I'll look it up or something. But um, and I, I I saw you afterwards, and I was like, great job, you know. And that's when I think this interaction happened. So we were like mutual fans yeah, from the they, from the go. But when I got cast with you, I was like, wow, like, like I'm like such a successful, cool, yeah. talented. And then, and then it went and we did it and we had a great time mm -hmm. and everybody's like, it's testing well, they love it. And there was only oh, four yeah. TBS pilots, only four that yeah. they had made before TBS had gotten a picture. And that was also, people don't realize that was the same year that they then hired Conan O'Brien. Mm -hmm. And once they did that, they had apparently spent all their money. And then they decided only to take one pilot. And right. we were apparently, they were planning to take all four or two or three. And apparently mm -hmm. we were the second choice. So oh, they only picked yeah. one. I remember it was like school days or something. It was like about like a fraternity. And when we found out, I was so devastated and confused. Mm. I remember go, like suddenly I'm getting, going on auditions again. They were like pre-reads. And I almost crashed like pre-reads where they give you five scenes and you're reading with the casting group. There's no camera. They're looking at you, acting with you, writing. You do one scene. They're like, great, thanks. And I was like, didn't know how to get my mojo back. And that's I, you, right, by the way. Am I, am I, I interrupt you? Am I Are you beeping? I just want to make sure it's not me. Okay. Me. But I, I can blame you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I'm just, I just don't, I want to turn mine off. Okay. I think I'm okay. I don't know how to turn. You have to go to do not disturb on my computer. Yeah. Where's that? That's like, oh, fuck it. It's fine. Our listeners can take a little interruption. It's just some dinging guys. Uh, okay, it's okay. Okay. So anyway, so you're doing pre-reads 
And I remember like when I almost crashed my car afterwards, I was so like, what's going on? What's, and I felt like that thing where you spent your whole life trying to get to his point. And it's not just like you take a step back. I felt like I got thrown back to the, to the back of the yeah, line. Yeah. And I had no, cause nobody saw it. And you know, didn't even have, I, it was so disoriented. And my mom came to visit me and she was like, what happened to you? Your lotus flower is wilting. Mm. And I was like, look, I, I, I under, I'm grateful. I understand. I'm okay. But mm. I, 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 can, I can mentally tell myself that my, my heart was broken and I couldn't mm-hmm. physically, truly like a heartbreak. I, I couldn't, like I was in mourning. Mm-hmm. As silly as that sound, oh, that doesn't sound so actory, but my head was like, you're fine. But I could not, I, I could not get myself out of this. And my mom said to me, she goes, without sympathy, go volunteer. Help oh, someone wow. really in need. Oh, I love your mom. Oh God, and talk about your mom. Okay, I did. Oh, my mom is yeah, uh, she, yeah. She's an, an insane prophet. And I went and I started doing a thing. I forget what it's called. Where I helped the kids in LA, uh, where they were like in fifth grade and Story Pirates. Story Pirates. Where they get professional actors to perform their their yeah, little. Yeah, I think that's Story Pirates. I have to look it up, but yeah, I did that too. And you go and you perform in front of their families and parents. And we, we do these. Yeah, you help them write plays. And then, yes. and then, yeah, you perform the plays. Yeah. And I remember driving home after I'd done that. And I was like, you know, just dipping along. Da, 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 da. I was like, and I suddenly was like, wait, what's going on? I feel happy. Why <laughs> what's going on? Why do I? And it occurred to me. And honestly, that has changed the direction of my life. And really like being in service and volunteering and. And so tell me like, um, so since that moment, when you feel down in the dumps, do you instantly reach out and put yourself in a place where you can be of service to someone? Yes. Uh, I have, I started my own conversation series called positive peeps where it's all about, I was actually just on Dr. Oz talking about this through a documentary I'm working on called, um, I, I came up with this phrase. I say, uh, give, create, feel great. I love this. Give. Oh, no, 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 not, no, no, no. I'm sorry. Donate. Create. No, it goes the other way. I just, I made this up. Create, donate, feel great. And when I say create, plant a garden, uh, journal, make a painting, write a song, get out of your head, participate, create something. If you can't create a book club, um, something to get outside of yourself. Uh Uh, It's so so healing. And then if, if not, if you can't come up with what to create, donate and you don't have to donate out of your pocket. If you can, that's great. I feel good maybe, but there's nothing more precious than, um, donating your time. Go be a big brother, go walk a foster dog, go feed the homeless, go work with, be a big brother, be a, do kids screenplays. The dividend costs nothing. And the dividends are priceless and takes you right out of the sort of self-centric world that acting in the industry can sometimes feel like. And it honestly brought me right back into being like, I don't know, like what kind of actor are you if you just like live and die for acting? You got to bring your life to it. And I was definitely obsessive with trying to move the needle in my 20s and early 30s that uh, I I think uh, the other parts of myself maybe just weren't engaged uh, enough uh, to feel good. Um, so, so tell me about, so bridge this gap between, uh, our, our, our pilot didn't get picked up 
And then yeah. how much lo- lo- how much after that did your new the, did you start the series that you're on now? Uh, four years. Four or five four years. years. Okay, so I don't want to necessarily talk about all four or five of those years, although I would love to if it comes back up. But more what I'm interested in, just sort of as it's related to what we're just talking about now is like, you know, so that was like your dream come true to get a comedy pilot and you did get a comedy pilot. And then from my memory, you got a couple more, at least comedy pilots, maybe every year after that. No, no, no. Okay. No, not not at all. Um, um, Well, let me just tell you where I'm going, where I'm going with is that like, if you could have told that like sweet 20 year old who started sobbing, you know, 31, but appreciate. (laughs) Oh, sorry. You're this sweet. Well, you said moving the needle in your twenties. So I guess whatever. Oh, 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 I'm with you. Oh, I'm with you. But you know, if you could have, so you, if you could have told that sweet 31 year old who finally felt like he could, you know, take his foot off the gas, if you could have told him that then you'd be at, I don't know how old you are now. Are you, are we the same age? How old are you now? Can you say that? You don't want to say that? You don't have like to count of three at the same time. I'm yeah. dude. I'm very open about my age. I really, I'm not, I'm going to turn. Okay. I'm 42 now, but I'm turning 43 pretty fucking soon. Yes. <laughs> I, I just turned 43, but okay. So we're the same. We're 1978. 1978. Yeah. Okay. I'm, fi- I'm fine with it by the way. And anyone can look anything up once you're. Yeah, exactly. It's all over the internet. I'm totally, anyway. I'm totally fine with it. It's funny. Uh, I actually love getting, I didn't realize how much I love my forties. It's like the best. Yeah. Forties are really good. And I feel really f- like I'm in such a f- great place in my life. Great. I get up, I have a baby. Like, it's just like being a mom. It's just the best. Okay. But so, but so if you could have told that 31 year old self that like at 43, you'd be going into the ninth season <laughs> of a show that you're starring in. Like what, um, what, what would that 31 year old have said? And, and like, even, I guess more, more my question is like, what are the disappointments that you've had along the way over this past nine years? Where like, to that 31 year old self, your dreams came true. But of course now you're nine years into this. I mean, like times a billion, right? Your dreams can't, you're on a series and like it went year after year after year after year. Like, why do you at this point, like what, 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 what drove you to create donate feel great? Like what drives you now to like, at what point do you get depressed? At what point do you feel like, oh man, I need to turn this around. I need to create donate feel great. Like what's, what's inspired you? Okay. A lot to unpack there. Okay. Yeah. That's how I do it. So maybe just, I'm actually going to, okay. What would I tell myself? What do I do now when I get down? What inspired create? And why do you get down? I mean, I think this is like, you know, you, a lot of people would say, God, he's on the ninth season of a a hit Yeah. It's like we're not, people are not allowed to when they're, when they're yeah playing. like what is he perceived well or something like yeah that. like what's he bummed about why does he have well, to tell himself to go create I'm not, donate I'm not, well i'll tell you i'm not i'm not bummed honestly i've never felt better in my life and i do not attribute that to the series uh i attribute that to the well i gotta give credit to the series for something i always knew one of the reasons i wanted to do a series more than let's say theater or film is because of the regularity of the schedule so that I can yeah. participate in other, because then you're really like, you're doing a project and theater takes so much time. And while you're doing that project, you're auditioning for another project, then you're doing a film and you're just, there is no, um, it's just so piecemeal. And I hear the option gets picked up and you know, all right, I know what I'm doing for the next nine months. Yeah, Can't really do other projects is sometimes heartbreaking that may be, you're just not available. 
So then you have your weekends. I leaned into other parts of my life. Uh, and some of them were absolutely necessary, like getting a psychiatrist. Um, mm -hmm. So I uh, was able to, you know, get a dog. Um, these other things. I actually went to a career coach around that time when I didn't get the, the pilot, when my mom said two things. My mom said, give, create. My mom said, go donate, give, give to someone really in need. And um, I went to a career coach, Betsy Cape. She's amazing. I literally only went to her when I felt like I had like, because I felt like I was pretty good at sort of navigating life and industry and not letting anything get, you know, I, I felt like I had a pretty good head on my shoulders about get back up again, stay positive. Like I always had cultivated that from my mom, like, you know, positive person, no matter what we're alive. I, I, but the feeling, I hadn't really the feeling. What I didn't realize at the time is that I, I needed, I, I needed help. I needed a psychiatrist. Hmm. I needed to address some genetic things. Like, like, are you talking about depression? Is that what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah. Depression and anxiety, like legit. Like, yeah. Like um, chemical, you, yeah. chemical. Mm -hmm. I lost an uncle to suicide. Uh, other members of my family are, yeah, uh, uh, quite a bit. And, uh, took me, yeah, that's, that's another, that's another thing. And that only happened halfway through, um, working on the blacklist. So you're talking about like five years ago. Yeah. And that's, so what, that, that's probably the biggest change in terms of like being depressed and positive. That was literally like get it. Cause so, so that thing where you talk about, uh, what would you tell the younger person? Well, one is don't be afraid to get help. Yeah. <laughs> But that's unrelated to showbiz. But I'd also well, say- Well, I don't think yeah. that is so unrelated to showbiz, actually. I mean, I think- A lot of people can hear that. Yeah. I mean, I think we need help wherever the fuck we can get it, right? I mean, I mean, when we're feeling down, when we're feeling upset, when we're feeling angry, when we're feeling whatever we're feeling, like, you know, that's a muscle that in itself, right? Actually, that's allow a, it to happen. Yeah. That's right. You have to allow yourself to get help, to feel- helped and, and not punish yourself help. for feeling that way. It's a, it's a hard thing. Well, well, when I was honestly, I'll, I'll just say it when I was feeling quite depressed and I was like, I felt like the only thing I had together in my life at that moment was my job. Mm -hmm. And because it's on TV and everyone I grew up in, like, wow, you're doing so great. You know? And so that thing where I was like, Oh my God, why, like, why don't I feel great? And I, and I just felt guilty for not feeling great when everybody's projecting right now, I was proud and I loved my work, but I felt like it took every ounce of me to keep my work at a place where I felt okay. Uh -huh. um, and it, well, here's where I thank the series. And here's the irony about it, is that I didn't have to worry about auditioning and I could just go and address a lot of the other things in my life because I was, just so focused on moving the needle. I knew how hard it is in this industry and you know, I didn't have an agent for a while and all that stuff. I didn't sort of just piecemeal, stood in line, auditions, piece by piece, one line on a soap opera, children's theater, just literally piece by piece by piece and all the energy it took to kind of navigate that. So there's the, there's the life portion of what I needed to address. Um, but I want to answer that question about the very simple thing or you, what would you tell your younger self? Please, please do. Uh, just say, you know, don't forget to enjoy life. Mm. We get one life. And be in that four-year period that you brought up between our pilot insecurity and then getting on the blacklist, uh, I, I was like, okay, I started donating and started, I continued my hustle. I still wanted a series, uh, but I was like, oh, wow. Okay, so you have to, have the get the right appointment. That means the the right representative has to get you in front of the right casting director. They have to see you for the right role. You have to, you know, get a callback, test, 
book the test. At the time, there was studio and network test. You have to mm-hmm. book it, book then you have to go in in person. It was before everything was like on tape. You, you, you have to get that. Then you have to do the table read, not get replaced in the table read. Then it has to shoot, not get replaced after it shoots. And then it has to get picked up to air. And then it has to do well on the air to not get canceled to keep going. I was like, wow, that is a lot of miracles that are not within our control. A lot. And I was like, what else is going on in your life? I mean, I was like, well, you know, I want to direct. I've been wanting mm. to direct for a while. And I was like, start. I have no control of that. I'm going to keep trying to go for my dreams and I'm going to start develop. And as soon as I started directing, I was directing a show at IAMA, actually. You were? Did I know that? It was a one act by my friend Ivana uh, Sheen called Single. Um, oh and I remember when I went, moved to LA, IAMA was like, oh, we'd love to work with you. Like, And I was like, I'm coming to LA not to do any more theater. I'm getting yeah, away yeah. from theater. But I was like, I'll direct. And they're yeah. like, cool. And they were so open. They're so great. You know, Adam and, you know, everyone, Adam and Katie. Ah. Yeah. Listen to all of them. And mm-hmm. they're just such um, a dope group of people. Um, and uh, as soon as I leaned into that and released, boom, the phone, I just started booking like crazy. I literally booked like four or five huge things in, in that year. When I literally was, I was on the phone. I got cast in Girls and I was had to fly back to New York uh, and was shooting Girls, was recurring while I'm literally between scenes, like talking to uh, my playwright, at IAMA about sort of set design and we're casting. I'm looking on my iPhone at casting and, and it's just, and I'm not getting paid for that. That's, that's nothing. That's just passion. So what's and, the, sorry to interrupt you. What's the, I interrupt a lot. Sorry, Amir. Just tell no, me if you great. ever want me to shut I up. Talk but, a lot. Um, I love how you talk. Um, so what's the like lesson for people who aren't in this business, people who aren't actors necessarily, you know, the, the, nor, the, the, the people who have regular jobs, like what's the lesson there for them? Um, how do you, how could you translate that? The, and what I'm talking about is the lesson of, you know, you, you got, became, you were frustrated in this acting thing. It felt like you had no control. You kind of empowered yourself by moving into directing and then like sort of the heavens opened and you got all of this acting work in a row. Like what's the, what do you think happened there? And how, how could that apply to someone who's not an actor? You let go. Yeah. You release control. Yeah. The only, when I, you know, I, I teach young actors and I do like workshops, arts access stuff. And, um, I said, the only thing in your control, the only thing in your control is, is preparation. How much you prepare, mm-hmm. how much you prepared for a moment, how much. So, and then, you know, then, you know, you've done your best. Mm-hmm. I always knew that if I was auditioning for something, once I figured out that, that concept out, I remember somebody told me that I was like nervous. And she's like, well, the only thing you, you can't control if you get cast, you can't control if they like you, hate you, they want a different ethnicity, a taller, shorter. The only thing you control when you walk in is, is how much you prepare. You can't even control if you like mess up or get nervous, but if you're prepared, that'll help you through that. And, and I said to myself, I said, if I don't get a role or I don't get a series or I don't, whatever it is, it's not going to be because I didn't do my best. It'll be because something out of my control. So the only thing I could control, I took full responsibility for. And I, and then I said, all you can do, I can, if I didn't, if I didn't prepare enough and messed up an audition, I can't sleep that night. If I did my best and I didn't get the part, I can sleep fine. But what about disappointment? Well, this, this part, this, this part of life. You know, and you but do you allow yourself to feel that? Yeah, we're actors, we're empaths. Some of us are empaths. I'm sensitive yeah. as, as heck. I'm so sensitive. Um, but, 
You know, it, it, you know, I don't know, like, uh, I don't know if you've been through heartbreak and you just don't know how you'll ever get over it. And then eventually at some point you, you might start liking somebody else and or get back out there again. It takes right. a while. So you get back out there and, and then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, your tail so starts. Can you, but so when you said letting go, which I think is exactly right. Like, can you distill that at all? Like, can you, what do you think works about letting go? Like, why do you think letting go is so empowering? Well, I mean, it's, it's like, you know, that's what, I mean, that's what uh, like the ascetics do in sort of the Himalayas, like, you know, deep achieved Buddhist actualization is realizing that I, th- I think, I mean, I'm going to speak a little bit. I think that's a huge part of it. Yeah. Um, is it, the, the, the actualization is literally getting, you know, realizing that this, I don't think I'm speaking accurately in terms of. Well, it's religion. one of the like, noble truths. The, the, yeah. the only attachment is the thing that causes human suffering. Right. And when we have attachment to a role, to a person, to, you know, that is our, uh, uh, my mom always says that's our Achilles heel. Tom, um, can you, I'm, let's talk about your mom. Where yeah. does she come up with lotus flower? You're lo- what did she say? You're losing your lotus flower and be of, or your lotus flower is wilting and, and go be of service. And I mean, all of this wisdom and she's a prophet. Like, tell me about her. We, by the way, this is a trend on this podcast. Sometimes I talk to people and it is just abundantly clear that they have such incredible mothers. And I, mm. I just always like, I, I need to know about these moms, especially because I'm a mom myself. Mm. And of course I aspire to be a mom like your mom. And like, where did she come from? And how did she know all of this? And, 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 and like, what else have you learned from her? I mean, that, that'd be a, that'd be like a seven week, <laughs> at least of two years. Well, uh, see if you could like some, like, just talk about like the essence of it. Of well, your guys's relationship. I will, I will say, I will say, I, I do consider, you know, the, you know, people talk about privilege and the thing I would say the essence of the privilege I have is because I was born unto her. Hmm. I was so fortunate to get a mom that was such a wise, such an advocate, so caring. Selfish. Oh my God. You're going to make me cry right now. <laughs> that, is, so that is the most fortunate thing I was given in this life and hmm. like, uh, she's still my best friend to this day. We, we talk all the time. We can talk about anything. Um, she's just, I, I like the way she, it's so funny the way she talks about her mom. Oh, that can make me cry. The way she talks about her mom, Bronya, who's a Holocaust survivor. Wow. Who died of colon cancer at the age of 47, who I didn't meet. My mom was 20. And my mom speaks about her. Every time she talks about her, I was like, you're describing how I would describe you. Mm. And it, it seems like something generational. I don't know if it's genetic. I honestly feel some of the parts of me that I'm, I can say, I can own it, that I'm most proud of descend from my grandmother that I never met think about her all the time, just from the things I've heard about her. And I like hope, I like know the work I have to do to get to the place. And I think she was honestly on another, I mean, she was freaking on her deathbed and my mom is bawling next to her. And she's like, why are you crying? Mm. The sky is blue. Mm. The birds are chirping. 
and you know that's that imprints on my mom and so i don't know i don't know i feel like i just i don't know maybe i've always been positive but this this shit just clicked like this last year during pandemic like i don't know it just all pandemic and everything going on the world feels so upside down and hardest year for everyone and i honestly feel like it's the the it's gonna sound weird it's one of the greatest years of my life yeah it's just like all the work that we're all forced to do has just been i know that sounds weird of course no i don't think it sounds weird Uh, by the way amir and i are both fucking bawling i've always said oh amir why are you being so sensitive my mom <laughs> i mean it's so funny when i do interviews inevitably my family makes fun of me like oh there's another zippy story like inevitably i'm a, such a mama's boy but i don't mean i don't know it's so i, I that that's a, it's a big question i guess there's one answer is that sort of generational thing she comes from her mom and and I don't know. My mom, uh, her, her optimism knows no bounds and it's just contagious. And her wisdom, I mean, my mom speaks eight languages. She knows a little bit about everything. I don't you know. know how. I don't want to sit here and brag about my mom. My mom has got her. We all have our flaws. My mom's funny. She, she's quite, there's nobody that interrupts anybody more than my mom. She has to interject. I can't even get a sentence out. It's like, can I finish? You know, it's like, oh God, well, I mean, like well, you interrupted me. I mean, it's, it's she's, she's a sitcom. But anyway, I don't know. That's such a, you know, I, um, I woke up the other night. This is like two weeks ago or not, maybe less, maybe like last week. I don't know. I woke up in the middle of the night and I wrote down and I'm going to like misquote myself, but it was something like humanness or humanity is the game. Consciousness is the strategy. Mm. And yes. What you're describing. Yes. Woo! <laughs> so can you say that again? Everybody needs to hear that here. Let you, me interview you. He, no. <laughs> human humanity is the game that we're playing. Life is the game. Being humans is the game. Consciousness is the strategy. So the way that we play the game is our consciousness. And we can decide what what kind of consciousness we want to use strategically or, or what our consciousness is. We can decide what our strategy is playing the game. And when you said that about your mom being an optimist, um, and obviously her mom being such an optimist, I mean, talking about the blue sky on her deathbed, I mean, this, and then when you said that about you over the past year, even though the world is upside down and, and how in some ways you've had the best year of your life, like this is a strategy. I mean, you've, you've chosen this outlook. Um, and we always have this choice at our fingertips and you can, I mean, in sometimes this is thought of this, this perspective is thought of to be very controversial, um, but even when you look back at historical figures who have endured the the gravest, the most devastating kinds of torture or uh, inhumanity, um, unjust imprisonment, um, starvation, there are so many accounts of people uh, fucking the Holocaust, surviving the Holocaust. I mean, you talk to Viktor Frankl, you know, there's that's that's one of my favorite books, Man's Search Meaning. Meaning. Yeah. I was going to bring, you're talking about this. I was going to bring that up. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, 
so, you know, I mean, this, this is it, while it's on some level controversial, cause of course you don't want to say, well, you know, you don't want to say to the mother, uh, the, so, mm-hmm. someone who's just lost a son, or you don't want to say to someone yeah. who's unjustly, you know, innocent. Oh, you're on a TV show or you don't know. You yeah. Know. Yeah. Even though you don't want to hear like, well, you could choose your outlook, <sighs> you know, in truth, eventually you can choose your outlook. So you know what I mean? I, I have to, it's so funny you say this cause I've been, this is, I don't know if we're on the same kind of path here of trying to maybe get the word out about that. I don't know if that's entirely true. I do believe everyone can do, to, do, to can work on it but there are clinical things. Uh-huh. Like slap a, sure. Slap a, slap a, snap a finger. But yep. postpartum, there is. I'm so glad you brought depression. that up. But, Absolutely. And, then there is, and there's also um, personality disorders. If you yeah, will. but also, and I also want to say there is like there is some level of suffering, right? Like I, the thing about it that's so fucked up, right, is that like I don't, I'm like I refuse to say that like a kid who's being abused by their parents can choose their outlook like right like it's like it's like there is like there are i guess there are there are limits to this or or a family that's struggling to yeah but we see but we can also see the most the the most privileged everything be negative absolutely the most suffering we've ever seen you know in victor frankl's book you saw the difference between people with life and death is when they thought you know, God was born during the Holocaust or God died in the Holocaust and, uh-huh. those, and, and they lived or died. They all have been the same level of starvation and so forth. The one who sees the the beauty in the trees with everything is stripped from you, you know, but the thing is, is, you know, Bob Marley, emancipate yourself from mental slavery, yeah. you know, and like the one thing you can tell any person that's in bondage of any kind in jail, enslaved is the only thing, again, it's the same thing, only thing in your control that I was saying for acting in life is how much you prepare. The only thing you can control when everything is stripped from you um, is how you receive it. Yeah. And they can't take away my dignity. <laughs> mm. You know, you, 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 they can think they're taking away your dignity, but that's a, that's a private. Oh no, they can't take that away from me. No, they, do you know that's Gershwin? All right. I'm, I don't know. Gershwin. I don't, I'm not, I'm being a, a fucking I don't sing. Guard. I never got. To the okay. Go ahead. Um, yeah. So I, 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 it, that question that you're like, you want everybody, it's right on your fingertips. If you, first of all, you have to choose to do the work. And you have to be in a position to do the work. And of course, there's Maslow's hierarchy of needs where you need shelter. <laughs> you know, you need shelter and you need warmth and you need food. Sometimes well, I'm like, why? why can't I be positive? And I just haven't had a sandwich yet. My blood sugar's low. I'm like, sure. oh, Amir, why are you yourself? And I was like, I, I want to kill myself. And I was like, oh, I just had a chicken salad sandwich. And I was like, oh, I'm fine. Everything, life is beautiful. Like there is, yeah. there is the elements, you know? Well, and- right. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I mean, I think like, let's like, let's like focus this around, uh, let's, let's assume that people's your basic needs are being met that you can afford to get yourself a sandwich or you know a piece of food let's ass- i guess let's assume that for this conversation i don't know i get really dicey on this because there are people out there who really are struggling to like eat you know so let and, me tell you about my grandma i'm so sorry no my please mom. no no but please yes i'm glad you're challenging me but i i just i have to say this because 
I, I don't, I, it's hard for me to sit in a place of true privilege. I mean, I'm a fucking white woman and I'm, uh, I own a house, you know what I mean? And, and, and like, so to sit in a place of true privilege and say like, well, you can choose your outlook, even though I do really fundamentally believe that I also just have to give a lot of heart and, um, and, and, and compassion to people who really have a, a very, a much harder road than I at this moment. Those are the stories we all, those are the best movies and TV shows is the overcoming. Like, you yeah. know, the best is the best, the most you I've cried in a movie is at the end of Rudy when the guy who's not supposed to make the fault <laughs> scores and just like, you can't help but ball. You know, I don't cry when someone's being, you know, in a movie, like some horror, it's, it's, it's the over coming of unspeakable tragedy that's sort of the redemption of the human the triumph of the human spirit as silly as that sounds that's the thing that i think we're all searching for whether we can get it or not people like i can't even imagine how did they do that like in a movie like oh my god i can't imagine losing i don't even want to speak it into existence you know losing them yeah. something that is beyond precious um and how do they get through well, so tell me what we tell me about your grandma or whatever you were going to say. Well, no, I just love this story so much. You know, she had they had nothing. They were, you know, super poor and they only had enough to get take the train home. My mom and my mom was hungry. My mom's a little a little girl at the time. I love this story so much. I think about it all the time. Mm. And so her mom, she'll call my grandmother, who I didn't meet, um, who's a Holocaust survivor. They're penniless. And they have enough to get the train. And my mom is hungry. And she's like, so they have just enough to get one sandwich and one drink. You know, so mm-hmm. my grandma buys my mom a sandwich and drink. And my mom starts to split it to give it to her so they can share it. So they each have a portion of the sandwich. And my grandma stops her. She says, no, we cut it in three. You get a third. I get a third. And then someone in Geula, which was the town where they broke up, who has nothing, gets a third. So here's the person with nothing, almost nothing, giving away something, teaching my mom that. So, you know. I mean, I'm bawling again. I just like, what an incredible. Who is this? I think about her all the time, and I just want to get to that plane. Yeah, man. And I got to tell you, I got to tell you the best thing, the best thing about being on, on on a show, time, whatever it is, I'm in a position, I feel like I'm in a, I think anyone is in a position to give is, it's easy for me to say maybe, but again, like I said before, you can always, you know, give your time to just. You can always give a compliment. Yeah. Open the door for someone. Yeah. You can open the door. If not, you know, say, how are you? Or smile, just walk across them and smile. You know, again, easier said than done. I I don't want to speak into other experiences, but I, I, I just, the, well, one of the, one of the things is that it allowed me, and now I think I'm able to do it. Maybe, I don't know. One of the things is that I was like, feel secure, maybe a little bit in career finances that I feel so free to give. I, I would, that would give before I did that stuff, but like, I, I just feel do you like, just I have to. I feel like it's like such a duty now. And I'm also so like, do you want to shower your mother with like gifts and <laughs> Like, I mean, I just feel like, I don't know, like, especially the way that she grew up and like, do you want to just like give her, do you want to like buy her cars and houses and nothing I could buy her. I asked her, I said, there's nothing I could buy her that would, 
uh, that would. She just wants the health of her kids and her grandkids. Oh, God. Um, I got her, um, I thought hard about what to get her for, you know, for her birthday. And uh, my family doesn't really give gifts because they don't want to burden each other with that feeling like I have to get someone else a gift. Mm. So my family doesn't really give gifts to each other because we're like, then you feel pressure to deliver and you don't, you know, so they don't want to put the pressure. So I'm the only one now who like does gifts. Like I'm like, cause I want to give it. Cause yeah. it feels and also in Hollywood, we give a lot, right? Like we're doing like crew gifts every, you know, we're doing rap. Like that's day. like a, a part of the culture that we're in is like we, there's a lot of gift giving. Yeah. yeah. And it's fun when you get so fun when I talk about that thing about give, create, you know, d- donate, create, give, create, don't, um, and feel great. You know, it feels better to give a gift. Oh yeah. Is, oh yeah. Yeah. Better than when you see that reaction, when you find that perfect thing and they're like, oh my God, how did you, Yeah. You know, I, like my sister wasn't having enough time to, 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 to work out. She's got so much, she's got two little kids and so much and pandemic and stuff. So I surprised her with a trainer that will come to her house. Oh, oh yes. Yes. And I knew she wouldn't have time for an hour. So I split the sessions up so that she would come for a half hour session. I was like, oh, turn down a half an hour. Brilliant. I know you can find a half an hour. And, and so I was like, that is the best feeling. And my sister is like fitness and everything. She's been complaining. I want to work out. Um, I feel like I'm tooting my own horn here, but you asked about my, my mom. So what I did is I had um, a, a tree planted in her, in her parents' name. Mm. I was like that. I was like, she already yeah, knows. So like, I was like, what can I give her that, that, you know, that she doesn't, yeah, she's, She's good. Wow. 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 I'm so impressed by that. It's so I want to say something be, that we, that we jumped before. Tell me. About, about um, when I went to the career coach at the same time that my mom said donate, I went to the career coach and I explained that, that thing where I said, I feel like this is going back to that concept of like, you know, career. And I was at a much, much less actualized place in my life mm-hmm. or formation of, of a brain and, and, you know, whatever, how we're supposed to get by on this. Um, and, and I remember we talked and I said, this is what it feels like. It feels like I had been driving this car my whole sort of, since I started acting since high school, or, you know, even, and then to get to this point, and then and then I turned off the car. I stopped. I breathed, and it's like I can't start the car again. I don't know how to get the mojo back to the passion to care. Mm-hmm. I was so stripped, and this career coach was like, "I don't really want to talk about your career." She's like, "You're gonna be fine." She's like, "You're great. You'll be fine." She's like, "I want to talk about your heart." Mm-hmm. If you if that didn't stop, what would you have done? What 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 would that have meant? I was like, well, I've always wanted to get a dog. She's like, so why aren't you getting a dog? Mm. I was like, oh, I was like, well, because I can't take care of it until I have a. Oh my until, god, oh, your dog heard you! <gasps> oh my god, are you kidding me? Is that? That's her. Is that like? Does your dog know about things? How does she know? Isn't that something? what? Is that weird? That was the weirdest thing ever. Raina. That's magic. She could hear us or she's just barking at a dog. <laughs> Even Hold still, on. the timing of that was like unreal. Timing. Okay. Want another key to comedy? Timing. No, exactly. okay. <laughs> Raina, come on. I'm talking to Cat. About you. He's talking about you. Raina, come say 
Come say hi to Kat. All right, people can't see this, but we can hear Kat's reaction. This is Raina. <gasps> oh my goodness. Hi, Raina. Raina is the key to mental health. Oh me. my God. A thousand percent. Of course she is. What a perfect little baby. So, so Raina came from Betsy Cape. Uh, so, well, uh, well, sort of. <laughs> so from Betsy Capes, I actually then went and fostered a dog when I got back to LA. Okay. Um, but it was so hard because again, I was still in a state of, I uh, was still working on myself because just you know in LA you get an audition you got to drive all the way to the west side yeah and then you got to come back and I had to like walk the dog three times and I was alone but what's the again like what's I was very hard I didn't have the sources the resources to maybe hire someone to do a dog walker sure but what's the lesson in that like why do you think Betsy Cape was like I don't care you're going to be fine with your career I want to talk about your heart oh you've always wanted a dog get the dog like what's the macro lesson in that what's the moral of that story again it's, it's, she saw that I was denying other parts of myself because I was holding so on so tight mm-hmm. to this dream, I think, and just not to forget to address the other parts of my dreams. And those were having a dog, you know, you know, she asked about my relationship status, other things. And then I also talked to her, I was like, I think I might need a doctor also. And she's like, yeah, so, you know, She's like, I'm not a psychologist or psychiatrist. So just unpacking stuff like that, which all came true. And, you know, again, I started, once the blacklist started and I, I wish it wasn't in this order, but it's just how it happened. I hope, I believe and hope I would have arrived to this similar place. Maybe, who knows? It's not for us to know. Um, I was able to get a doctor. I was able to get a dog. I was able to have a stable relationship. Um uh, I really addressed those things. And those were the things that really were fulfilling. I mean, it's always mm-hmm. you know, super fun to have, you know, cause I just, I love my role and so forth, but jumping ahead too. I mean, pull me back. You, you also asked about what, like now that you've been eight years, what do you do when you're bummed now or so forth? Well, I, you know, you achieve one dream and then another one forms. And I'm so, I'm just so much more interested in not so much more interested. I'm just so exactly what you're doing with this podcast, like this concept of positive messaging um, uh, and, you know, and directing, I've been, you know, directing and I just see the projects I gravitate towards as a director and things I want to talk about are these sort of character based positive micro obstacles of life. And I don't know. I just want to keep working on that stuff. I, 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 I'm so happy with my job and I've been, okay. I don't know if you, I've been working on a documentary. Yeah. You mentioned this. Tell me about it. Um, and a lot of this came with this too. So pandemic and everything. So real quick, uh, uh, there's a nonprofit called angel light films that works with kids, uh, that have, or have had a brain or spinal cord tumor, Mm. um, to make any short film about anything they want. And I've been, you know, directing a little bit more and some short films and little theater projects. And, um, there was actually a script supervisor at the blacklist in season three. She's become a great friend of mine who had founded this company, uh, cause she had lost her sister, baby sister when mm. she was young. And the one thing that she liked to do was the baby sister liked to dress up and she would like be the director. 
So she started this in her honor called Angel Light. It was perfect. They're the angels and this angel like warmth. And it was like, that was like, that name is not. And, um, and we actually, it was actually her sister's birthday who passed 37 years ago. And it was her sister's birthday uh, two days ago. And mm. that look at that profound impact that that short life. And she was like, four, three or four or five. She's, when she passed, and sorry, I know you're a young mom. I'm so sorry to even drop that concept. But um, the impact of this girl's life is for the impact of my grandma's life who died over 50 years ago. It's just, you know, I always say this, like the one thing that is timeless that we know as humans that I think is t- that transcends time and space is love. Mm. Mm-hmm. It is love. That is why you don't stop loving someone that dies. Mm-hmm. And they don't stop loving you. You can feel it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I never met my grandmother and I feel her mm-hmm. all around me. Mm-hmm. I'm not speaking spiritual, whatever you believe. I'm talking like a hu- the human the human thing, the, 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 the thing. But um, anyway, so I, I got off track. But so she, she asked me, would you, you know, she had been so busy. She had two babies of her own now. She had a second baby while we were working. Uh, and I said, oh my God, yes, sign me up. And when, because uh, I was doing arts access stuff for baby inner city kids, but I hadn't thought about it with like sick kids. I was like, oh my God, sick kids can't go to the theater and they can't get to rehearsal. And I was like, oh my God, yeah. So I worked with, so I met this girl named Tati, Tatiana Bernard, social worker connected to Angelite. And I worked with her in and out of the hospital. Here's the beauty of the blacklist. And I'm not working every day. I'm supporting characters. So on my days off, I got to work on this other creative project. It's not about acting, it's directing, it's in service, it's creativity. And, and my job was to, help this eight-year-old girl's imagination come to bring to film. And so I'm directing it, but really I'm guiding her to, she writes it, she stars in it, she designs it, she casts uh-huh. it. And and then I was like, when I sort of learned about this and more about the company, I said, I asked Stephanie, I was like, can we document this too if they're cool? So I've been documenting for three years. Oh, I love this, Amir, so much. The, the making of this short film. So was, I was like, what have I done to myself? I was like, I'm now directing and producing <laughs> a film within a film at the same time. Yeah. With no experience making documentaries, no budget. We're still raising money three years later, yeah. like out of pocket. And um, uh, so I've been working out with the three years. So I've been, and you know, we're talking about like the perspective so I'm sitting here in our industry and people complain about certain things. I, and, and Tati's mom is one of my best friends. I was a single mom of four girls. Wow. One of them has a brain tumor. Pandemic hits. They live in a tough neighborhood in Brooklyn. She's on public assistance. Mm. And you know, so I, it's like, and we're sitting there together working on this. Tati wanted to make a fashion show. And for other reasons that I won't get into on here, I've continued to film. And, uh, you know, we're talking about figuring out like the Christmas presents or the birthday presents or the Hanukkah, whatever. Um, the best is trying to figure out and the hardest, actually, the most, that's actually pressure, figuring out what to get her and her sisters. Yeah. Oh now I have to get like the whole family and grandma. Of and, course, a thousand percent. Like, that's like more gift heavy and stress than, than my own yeah. family. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that has been, that is connected to this year that I'm, that I'm talking about. And then with mm-hmm. coronavirus, I'm not allowed to go to the hospital because only one parent is. So suddenly we're doing the remote FaceTime and Mm. so I was the person going with Siobhan to the hospital. Now she doesn't get the one other adult that gets to be with her. And when she has to go home to be with her other kids, you know, no other adults can be with Tati. And how is she doing? Uh, It's a good day. I'll say it's a good day. Yeah, all right. I'm good right now. 
um, it's a long, it's a real, it's a real roller coaster, a real, a real roller coaster, um, which we've documented. This is beautiful. It's really such beautiful stuff. And it really does. Um, you know, I just talked about it on the last podcast we did. Um, um, I, I just lost a pregnancy, which was a really hard, sad thing. Um, and, but like, you know, even within that, and, and, and there's, you know, days and moments where I feel so sad about it, you know, but there's also like my, my very first response was just like, thank God for incredible medical care. Thank God for access to incredible medical care. Thank God we're so resourced. Thank God for our stunning, perfect, amazing daughter. Like there, there's just, there is there, you can find these things to be grateful for in the midst of just incredible loss and sadness. You can, and, and you certainly, you know, are, 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 are actively making yourself, you know, a resource and a, a source of light to, to this family and to this little girl and to all of these people. They are to me. They are to me. Yeah. And right. And that's, and then I'm always says, I am, she says that the key to giving is I am the true benefactor. Mm-hmm. I get the most from, from. I'm so inspired by this. And I just wanted to, I, I do kind of want to just, 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 just to go back because I, I also feel like this is so useful and, and, you know, we're, we're talking about such a positive, beautiful thing. So it's like, I, I hate to like kind of drag us down and, and I hope that this doesn't oh. do that. And I don't, I don't think it will, but. going to connect it to acting. Oh no, I know. I want to go back actually to like, did you have like, what, what got you finally into the psychiatrist's office and like, what, what would happen four or five years ago? Can you just talk a little bit more about that moment where, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I don't actually, truthfully, it's not the circumstances of your life, although sure, any, any, anything you want to talk about there, but it's really more about like, um, how did you know you needed help and, and, and like what, at what point, there was, like- a, there was a direct indication. Yeah, there was a direct. So my mom always, uh, again, psychiatrists and here, here's the, here's the irony of it all is I grew up with psychiatrists knowing about the people that need help, knowing that I had lost an uncle to suicide and, and was such an advocate of the you know, mental health, the, medication, education, no stigma. But at the same time, I was like, but I'm good. <laughs> right. You know, I get along with people and, you know, I do my stuff and, you know, and my, you know, I, I get roles and I'm good and everything's good. And, you know, people like me and I like people and I'm doing, and I feel like connected to life. So I'm good. Not knowing how much I had been muscling through, just like muscling through heartache and headache. Mm. Um, And just, you know, and here's, you know, there's different triggers and stuff too, you know, so there's things that happen. So it was a confluence of events and difficult things. And, but also really, Okay, I remember, it was two things really. I remember watching an episode of Game of Thrones mm-hmm. and I couldn't follow along. Mm. My brain was so scrambled. Mm. Couldn't, I was so, so I couldn't get out of these puzzles in my head that I couldn't even 
be out. I couldn't get outside no matter what mantra, like you said, the positivity, the cultivating at the fingertips. That's probably why I was also like, because I, I knew those and I wanted to do those and I was right there. Mm-hmm. It wasn't working. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I, oh, I'm just really honest here. I don't always love talking about this, but I'll, just, mm-hmm. I'll share this here. I'll share it. It's okay. I, it's, um, I mean, there's no problem to talk about. There's it. a reason why though. This is, a, there, and I'll tell you, but I finished what you're saying, but there's a reason why I wanted to go back here, but because, and well, I'll just tell it now. The reason why I wanted to go here is because I think you're so positive and you're doing such mm-hmm. amazing things in the world. And you also like, you've cultivated such a beautiful life and career and like all of this stuff. And I think it's just important for people to hear that it's not all, you know, that it's been a journey for you. And that yeah. when you have these dark moments, like you still have such beauty ahead of you. You can, you know? Oh, yeah. So that's hard why I'm asking you about this. So I know so, exactly what you're saying, where it's so hard for people to see and to let them know that it will. It can get better. You know, a heartache, you know, like a scar, you know, if you get punched and you have a big black and blue mark on your thing and it hurts to touch and you can't move and da, da, da. And the next day it's a little less. And the next day it's a little less. Yeah. And and and, and then, and, and then the, and the color comes back and then you can yeah. move motion again. Or maybe you're cut and then there's a scar there and it hurts, it hurts. And then there's a scar left forever. And you see that scar and that scar is a reminder of that pain. And there's an aspect of it that doesn't quite work the same, but it does get better. And then there's beauty in the wound. Yeah, that's right. Any, 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 anything. That's right. So I didn't want to cut you off. Did Can you finish what you were saying? No, I'll just say this. Uh, remember I said before that I felt like everything was, I couldn't, I was having a hard time with all aspects of my life, except I could keep, I could keep my career going. I could keep acting going, but everything else was like not able to, wasn't able to. Like you couldn't hold it up. Yeah. And then, like I said, I couldn't follow along on a game of Thrones. And then I'm already a slow reader. I already have to reread things. I have ADD. I've had that since I was a kid. I, I, I was having a hard time getting through a script. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh boy, that's the one thing I know that I, I can I can do. And now I'm, am I losing my ability to, to prepare for my acting role? And that was scary. Mm. And then, and then at the, and at the same time, I was, you know, not far around that Robin Williams had committed suicide. Mm. And people were like, I remember this thought, people were like, what? He had everything. He was loved. He was so talented, this and that. And everyone was like, I don't get it. Da, da, da. And I remember being like, I get it. I was like, of course, I get it. Mm. And the guy was always in service of others and making people laugh and making other people feel good and all this stuff. And I know he had a, you know, my mom, psychiatrist talks about it. He actually had a perfect storm. He was, you know, sort of middle-aged, had early onset dementia. At that age, you sort of you have a drop in testosterone, um, history of addiction, uh, you know, who's also a genius. So that, you know, I said bipolar stuff. So that combination is actually, she was like, it was a ticking time bomb of suicide just medically. Mm-hmm. Um, but on, on another level, it was just like, also, I, you know, so that happened. I just remember like, I get it. And then I had a hard time working on the thing that I felt like was the one thing I knew how to do well. Yeah. And then I started thinking about my uncle and I was like, man, you can't outrun your genetics. You can't muscle through genetics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, positivity can only you can you can can do a lot with it, but it's not a you know no expression is like a miracle pill. It takes work, 
And so I needed to, and so I got a, uh, I got a doctor and uh, thank God I did. Oh, thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing that because I just like, you know, and, and I also think, you know, by the way, speaking of Victor Frankl, and I've definitely quoted this on this podcast before, because I, I find this particular quote so compelling and, um, and I wonder if you connect with it at all, but Victor Frankl said, and I, this is not, the wording is not exact, but something like what is to give light must endure the burning. And you are giving so much light, Amir, but you've experienced burning. You have experienced burning. That's sort of the end. I don't know. Do you, do you identify with that? Thank you. I don't know what to say. I, I just feel like I just, I, I guess I just, the, 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 the point is just that I think it's really important for people to hear about your darkness because you're such a light being, you're such a light being. And I just, the, the, what you're doing in the world is so incredible with this documentary and with your outreach. And I think like if the moral of this particular episode of this podcast is be of service because Amir's mm. mom told him to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd be down with that. Yeah, I mean, I just am, I'm thrilled with that. And, and, and obviously, you know, you're not the first person to say that, but like you are living it. I mean, you're really, you know, you're, you're, okay, you're enough, enough, enough. Too many no, but you are though, but, but it's beautiful. <laughs> it's really beautiful. And I, and so anyway, I just, I wanted, I wanted to get like the full perspective. And so, um, so, so other I, than this documentary, I want to yeah, add, I want to add something, Tell me. you know, like it's so complimentary. Thank you. But I, uh, I, you know, I, we all, I certainly like, catch myself whatever it is like getting mad or triggered by this person or that person you know and you have to be human and let it out sometimes but um the four agreements yeah are, are something that i actively think about mm-hmm. when i catch myself i'm like what ah, why am i in this space that was a book written by Car- carlos ruiz okay so it was a book but can you just restate I'll link yeah, to it, but can you? The four agreements, the, the basic concepts are um, be impeccable with your word. Don't use your word to speak against uh, yourself or others. You know, people are like, okay, don't gossip, but don't use it against yourself. I have a lot of self-deprecating humor, like to just beat yourself up. You know, that's the thing that a lot of people can do and a lot of people in this industry. And so be impeccable with your word. Uh, don't personalize. Um, if someone is terrible to you, that is a projection of their reality and not yours. The hardest thing to do, especially as an actor. I, I, that'll take a lifetime of work for me. I, it's very hard for me. I am much better at it though in my 40s and this year. I'm like, all right, that fucking sucks. It hurts, but it doesn't hold on to me like it did for days and days and days. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, fucking that sucks and fuck you. And oh my God, excuse me. <laughs> no, please. But, like, but not, like I don't say F you. I was like, all right, well, what's that about? Let me think about that. Uh, is there anything inside of that that is true? Why, why is that being said? What is? What can I take from that? Um no, this pretty much seems like not cool. Uh, all right. All right. It's not my problem. Mm-hmm. Learned to, all right. All right. I can't fix it. I can't make them think something else. Right. Uh, I would, so uh, we have to just, whatever, work, don't personalize. Uh, don't make assumptions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we all do that. You know, and we, you know, and you can intuit things You're like, oh, that I can tell they're talking about me or I can tell something happen with that thing, but you don't know exactly what it is and you could be wrong and it's not your business. Mm-hmm. What people say about you is not your business. It's hard, hard work. 
and um, always do your best, which is the thing I was talking about with preparation. If you if you can, stay, so I, I, I mean, all the time I'm going to be like something I'm not feeling. Right. I can and I can tell the difference between a a what feels like a clinical depressive thought mm-hmm. versus a, sort of a daily human sort of. Like, How do you tell that negative thoughts? How oh, if you've ever been truly anxious or depressed, you can. There's a difference. Yeah. I mean, I, I would akin it to someone I don't know, but if you wake up in the morning and you haven't slept, in, let's say you haven't slept enough and you get up and you just don't know how to get through the day and you have a lot of, let's say you have a ton of pressure on you, real pressure, like real life pressure, and you, and you didn't have enough sleep and it's a number of sleep. I would say that feeling that maybe you might have in that moment, that is closer to what maybe like a clinical depression or anxiety. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Like, like you're pressuring, you're going to burst and you can break down. And But the thing is, is that happens to people who don't have that pressure and who have slept. Right. I just, right. I wish that people would have the real empathy to understand just the pain someone must be in to actually want to hurt themselves or, or, or don't feel like they belong or just they, they can't take it anymore. The pain that Robin Williams must have really been in as a, you know, Suicide makes a lot of people angry, understandably. Like, how you know, how could they do that? And it's and, and, and in some ways, rightfully so. But mm-hmm. just, I always think, like, can you imagine? Whereas, uh, like, someone said something that really offended you, or, um, like I said, like I told you, I couldn't sleep at night if I didn't do my best, or, you know, maybe like there's some gossip at where at your workplace and you participate in it a little mm-hmm. bit. You know, mm-hmm. It's juicy, or you like can't believe, or. or you're mad and then you there's sh- something and open your mouth, you know, and you're like, ah, I don't feel great. And I'm like, well, I, uh, did I prepare enough? Okay. Did I, did I say something negative? Mm-hmm. Did I talk crap about myself? Mm-hmm. Um, am I letting that person's bad behavior get to me? So right. So these are all it. metrics that you use to help you Before sort agreement. of, Yep, the understand the four agreements. So I call those like sort of like maybe like my mom could tell them like big D is like clinical depression and little D is like maybe little triggered depressions and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I use the four agreements to, to, to help me deal with the little D's. Yes. But right. there's trauma. Look, you can't always, if, if, if you know, if someone dies, you have to grieve and mourn. We're humans. Like you can't use the four agreements or medication to get over the grieving process. Like that. So there's, there's, we can't overcome all bad feeling, you know, yeah. that the human experience, the bad feeling is necessary. Okay. <laughs> so, so we're going to wrap up, but just out of curiosity, what else do you use to help you deal with the little D's? Like, do you meditate? What are your daily practices? Work out? Do you pay attention to your diet? Like, or do you pray? Uh, do you, I don't know. I'm just making that up. Yeah. All that stuff. Uh, I think about the, 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 uh, have I, again, what I continue to ask myself, okay, so work on the four agreements and then, okay, uh, when's the last time you worked out? What did you eat today? What have you been eating like this week? Sleep. My biggest struggle is sleep. Mm -hmm. I can, I I can get a handle on the other things. I can, I can, my dog is making a really cute face right now. I, I, I (laughs) I, I can, I can get my fitness going again, or I can, you know, clean up the eating if I've been sliding, um, can work on the four agreements. But sleep, I've, that's been my lifelong problem of mine always. Uh, it's inconsistent, as you know, in our, our business. Like, we have to get up at 5 a.m. one day, and then we don't work two days, and then you mm-hmm. slide, and then you've got to work so hard on this thing, and then you've got to get all this stuff prepared. And I tend to sleep late naturally, which then messes me up. So my circadian rhythms get messed up a lot. So I honestly feel like I have to do really good at all the other things because I haven't mastered sleep. I just haven't mastered it. Uh-huh. And, and that's one of the most important things. Um, and you asked about uh, praying. It's like sort of, 
uh, sort of like mindful exercises, you know, mm -hmm. just, um, I call them flow exercises, you know, um, it's going to sound silly, but fantasy basketball always sure. end my day. Great. I put on the NBA highlights, you know, I just like, and I just looking at the numbers and the, I don't know, it just engages me. And it's just so, so I'm outside of all things in my life. I'm just looking at scores and numbers yeah. playing this game, this silly game for, yeah. um, uh, it sounds like self-care to me, a yeah. form of self-care. Yeah. 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 I, uh, you want to know another thing my mom says? <laughs> I do. I definitely do. But, so Let's mom, have your mom take us out. So there's the, there's the four agreements that we talk about. There's the self-care that you, you have cultivated and obviously you, you share. And my mom talks about the five F's. <laughs> oh yes. Oh, please bring it. Bring the five F's. Um, you want to be in balance. Mm. When you feel in balance. You want to make sure you are in balance with your family, your friends, your finance, your fitness, and your faith. <sighs> and when she says faith, I also, you know, because people, I said it can be also art. I include art in that to make sure you're engaging in something outside of thyself, something bigger than mm -hmm. yourself. Mm -hmm. it can be, you can be in doing service to other people. You can be praying. You can be, mm -hmm. um, you know, that's what that sort of my version of the create, donate, Something that, that awakens your spirit in some way or that utilizes that aspect of your nothing brain. to do with anything specific here, mm -hmm. but it's bigger, bigger than you. Like yes, going towards something bigger than yourself. Mm -hmm. The spirit, yeah. Um, and then my mom, so those five, the five Fs, and then she goes, and in parentheses, fucking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. I think yeah. what she means is you know, inter intimate relationships and interpersonal relationships. Oh, I love your mom so much. Oh but my! We didn't, you know, we didn't talk. We didn't talk anything about acting or this sort of esoteric. Oh, there she is. Again. I know. I know. I mean, I sort of stay away from it, it, you know, honestly, because we did. That's the thing is like all of this is about acting in a way. But if you want to add something, Amir, if you have a burning thought about acting, I would love to hear it. I do think that acting is a, is a spiritual exercise and you just sort of likened it to faith. Do you tell me, tell me, tell me. Well, we could obviously talk a lot about that the preparation, the experience I've heard on, on some of your podcasts. It's so cool. You really unpack it like in ways I haven't heard before. Um, so it's funny that we ended up talking about all this other stuff. Cause I was sort of looking forward to those challenging probing. Oh, but it's all the same but, stuff. Yeah. But yeah, go uh, ahead. So I'll be, can I have a part two? Please. Oh God, of course. I'm, getting, I'm like, okay, no, but I, I will. I, okay. If I could distill all other things, this is not, this is not the every, not the, the main aspect of it, but if I get a real block in my work and I've like done my prep and there's this and there's whatever's going, there's 8,000 different factors that can contribute to a moment. We all know about being present, being in the moment. So if, if there's something blocking, make it about the other person. Mm. That's how you get out of yourself. Well, Literally. isn't that in line? Exactly. Yes. We've been talking about this whole time. Listen, mm -hmm. listen to them and whatever your intention is, uh, make it about them. What are, what is it that you are trying to say to them? What, what is it about? Why are you having this scene with this person at this moment, whatever that is about and get right outside of yourself. Mm, yeah. So then like, I take that to, you know, take that to life. Get outside. Yeah. Of what is, what is else, you know, cause we get, what are you so doing? What are you doing here? This, yeah. 
What are you, you doing know, in relationship to humanity? How, how, how can you affect positive change in the people that you're dealing with on a day-to-day basis? That, 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 that's big. That's getting, that's getting very, very macro. I'm talking yeah. specifically. Yeah. Micro specific of how to help yourself be present. Tell me, tell me, tell me the specific of it. Like you're in a grocery store or you're walking down the street. Tell me, or you're on set. Oh, um, I was kind of, tell me, um, I don't think there is some formula. It's all the things we've talked about, the things that you've been cultivating and talking about the consciousness of the strategy, the four agreements, my mom's five F's. Uh, but you know, there's that thing of like, uh, if you're, if you're living in the past, that's a form of depression. If you're living in the future, that's a form of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Worrying about what's coming, what, what has to happen. And if you're dwelling in something that has happened, whatever it is, it's a form of depression. And the whole key is how do you be in the moment? We're here for, for a certain amount of time. How do you be in the moment? So all those things help you. So so in, the, in that moment when you can't, what is going on? There's all this the director just said something or someone just upset you. And if you get upset by that, you're staying in the past about one minute, one second, or, you know, mm-hmm. you're worrying about the scene and do, do, do they have, Oh, do I know my line later? Then you're worrying about the future. Just if you can release it and just look at your, at the person across from you and just receive them and just trust and let go. It's, it's hard work. I just think, yes. you know, it takes work for your whole life. It doesn't matter where you are. In the, I don't know. This is what I like about being in the 40s. I can sort of see that clearer than I have in, my, in the past. Yes. There's so much more work to do. And it's like, I just love that I see. I just love life, yo. Yo, dude, that's life. consciousness. That's your strategy. You're yeah. choosing that, Amir. You're, you're choosing that. I have to say, you've always been on the level we always had like deep talks when we talked. You're always like sort of cooler than the industry. You're like, <laughs> in the industry and you're like, um, and uh, yeah, it's cool to talk to you. It's been a minute. Oh man, it's so good to talk to you. It's so good to talk to you. I just love everything you've been up to, and like, you're just you're 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 just such a great guest, and I'm so grateful that you came on here. When are we gonna work together? I know soon, please. Something cool. What do you, can I ask? I mean, you can, I, you can stop airing this if you want. Cause I want to ask you a question or two real quick. I know you probably, you got to go. I'm sorry. I'm just excited. No, no, no. Well, let's stop recording and then we can, we can, uh, and then we can catch up for a second, but, but let me just thank you so much for coming on and just say, this is like the, the, just an incredible episode. And I, I think so many people are going to find so much use in it and, um, so much inspiration in it. So thank you so, 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 so much. Thank you, Kat. It's my pleasure. Okay, I'm going to stop recording. All right. That's our show, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at I am Kat Foster. Reach out to us using the hashtag ActingRealPod. We really, really get those messages and we really, really answer them. Links and recommendations for this week's episode can be found at ActingRealPodcast.com. Episodes drop on Mondays. Most importantly, if you love this show, please subscribe to it, rate it, review it. We love seeing those. It means a huge deal to the show. We're so grateful for you. We love you. Have a great day. 
This podcast was produced by the incredible Augusta Chapman with help from our amazing coordinator, Hannah Barbakoff, and our very talented sound engineer, Baraka Jenga. The music, which I absolutely adore, is composed by Sean Hokinson. 